0: Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Thank you for your goodness in our lives. And I give you thanks for the high call that you have called us to in Christ Jesus. It's the... Like Oswald Chambers described it, the utmost for his highest, that we might see that which we can run after, so that we might come into our inheritance in Christ, that the peace of God, that the joy of the Lord, that the love of God would abound towards us evermore, so that we might be useful to you, O God, we might be instruments in your hands in a dark and destitute world. We pray, Father God, that we would be those that mend the fence, those that mend the nets, those that mend the hearts of men towards you, that they come back, oh God, and that they would know you and that they would serve you and that our lives might be a testimony of this reality. And we give you thanks for your spirit in this place. We give you thanks for a spirit of excellence. We give you thanks for bringing men of God here from all around the world to pour out your grace and your goodness in our lives and make us your people, Father, a people zealous after good works, passionate about the things of eternity, about the presence of God, the purpose of God, the provision of God we want to see the full extent of your mercies poured out in our lives and that our children might inherit a greater portion because you said greater works shall you do in my name that follow and we give you thanks tonight for what we will hear and what we're already hearing as we're renewed in your presence and transformed in your through your spirit and having hearts to receive your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, one of the highlights of R. T. Kendall's, Dr. R.T. Kendall's visitation towards us, the first time about six years ago, was teaching on total forgiveness. In the in-between time, he wrote a book called Totally Forgiving Yourself. And then finally, uh, upon this visit, he just published his last book, and he shared it on Sunday morning. You would do very well to get a copy on that. Um, that teaching is priceless, and there was a specific visitation for us um, to receive from uh, Dr. R.T. Kendall um, that, that powerful teaching of totally forgiving God and dealing with the betrayal barrier where things are holding us back from going on with God. And if there's anything that is my concern uh, every time I participate in any conversation is to remove all the barriers that keep us from the full expression of God. Um, Every Sunday here, and and you guys know because it just continually happens... um, People are blown away at magnitude and proportions that it could be if you were raised up in this house, you take it for granted. Um, I remember when I started getting to know Yvette and going to her house, every Friday night, uh, her parents would throw huge steaks on the barbecue. And, and that was something new because for them it was every Friday night. And so I was visiting Yvette. Every Friday night. It wasn't customary for us. Although we, we had good food. But th- these people threw down the old American. Big steak with mashed potatoes and corn. And, and I was there every Friday night. Until probably a year into this. I hear. And uh, her parents says. We're going to have to add a dependent on our tax papers. And then I never came back. Because I was really, you know, that really hurt. Um, and it not hurt, but it really showed that I was eating them out of house and home is what it did. So I realized, that, well, i, I got to back off here. And the Bible says that don't visit your, your neighbor's house too often lest he hate you, right? That's right. We should have known better. And that's a proverb. A lot of times we, we abuse our state. But um, being able to see something new... Um, for something, somebody that's customary is very powerful. And um, this is an actual conversation that took place last week. You know that uh, there's a new gentleman that's been coming to our church for a year. Um, and and we, we're talking about him a lot because just like Paul, it's just amazing that this guy would be looking for God in this season of his life. And so we talk about uh, Francisco Martinez. They call him Paco. And he had a meeting and he's a businessman. He has a lot of investments in town. And he's so passionate about getting people to receive. He's like he's like I would if I, I was telling my guys, you know, friends, you got to come over to to Yvette's house. Because her parents throw down these stakes all the time. And he's dying to get everybody to know what's taking place in here. So last week, and, and he'll go to business meetings. And there's guys that want to buy buildings from him. Um, you know. Baco, you got to sell me this building for $6 million. And the other guy says, oh, I, I want to sell you a building, buy it from me. And, and this is what he said at a meeting last week. He says, hey, guys, I will not buy another building and I will not sell you another building until first you come to my church. <laughs> I, I, he's like, you want to do business with me? You got to come and listen to what I'm listening to. And this is, this is not church, and he's not being religious. He just wants everybody to come here and see what's happening. And, and I think God also wants us to be conduits of the relationships God desires. Um, God wants everybody to be connected to him, and he wants everybody um, to, uh, to have him connected with them. That's, that's God's passion. And you see this with the cross. His highest priority was to restore the relationship with man, to get a connection. Now, you see the, this slide that we've put up there, world-changing connections. There's a disconnect there. The line is broken. And I want to encourage you today to put all things in perspective. That when R.T. Kendall is talking about total forgiveness... And then he talks about totally forgiving yourself. And then he ends up with totally forgiving God. He's saying there's a lot of things that are keeping us from connecting with God. And all these three books are basically telling you let's get whatever is breaking the connection to connect. Because once there's a connection, we're going to live entirely different lives. We're going to live What God expected for us to live from the beginning. We're going to enjoy uh, what God's purpose was from day one. So uh, I want to challenge you tonight that you start moving in the direction. Because we have become experts at breaking relationships. How many say amen? We've become experts. We know how to drop a person in a blink of an eye. And, and that should not be our disposition. Matthew chapter 22, verse 36. Someone comes up to the Lord and says, Teacher, we need you to teach us. What is the great commandment if you were to gather all that's it written in the word of God? What, what should we be pursuing? What is behind all this? And so in verse 37, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is, verse 38, the first and greatest commandment. There is no way to pursue the vast expanse of God's instruction until there is a real solid downloading, which is the modern term, receiving, reciprocating, um, mutual bond here on a vertical level with our Creator. Last night around 10.30, we worked out here and I went home and I stayed here talking with two gentlemen. It was fascinating. For all of you that don't know Robert, I want you guys to know Robert. And Robert brought a friend because he, too, like came last week, and we talked a little bit. He, said he brought his best friend yesterday. And he told his best friend, I want you to see this. And so he brings his friend, and his friend says, well, hey, you know, I come to see it because he's my, he's my real good friend. But I'm really, I don't believe in God too much. I'm an atheist, you know. I, I'm, I come to see it. But you know what? Yesterday when he saw it, he received Christ. He says, I want that. And so, in this course of God desiring us for us to get connected with Him, and if we get the full understanding, it's just going to take every other expression. The vast expanse of God's extravagant purpose and love towards us is on and in our capacity to connect. And, and, and so, R.T. Kendall's written the last three books. These are the greatest books. Uh, the Fulfillment of a Lifetime of Ministry. And he says, hey, you know something? You got to enter into the art of forgiveness, number one. Number two, you got to take it to yourself. You really got to get past yourself. And number three, you need to forgive God so that you can really receive from Him. So, last night, uh, my, I, when I got home at 1030 after we spent time with Robert and Rebert, his, his friend is called Rebert, um, I get home and I get a phone call from my next door neighbor. And he says, look, I'm at my best friend's house and I'm talking to him about the Lord and I've known him for 25 years and he just told me he doesn't believe in God. He's decided, he's come to the point where he's throwing the towel in believing the existence of God. And he says, can I bring him over and will you talk to him? I said, of course. I'll bring him to your house, and so um, his inability to connect with God renders him totally ineffective in connecting with anybody. Because God will give you His nature, and the nature of God is this: He's a loving God. He's a forgiving God. He's a God that that He's not going to hold something over your head long term. He's compassionate. When Moses says, I want to see you, before I take the people to the the promised land, show me a glimpse of your glory. And what he was able to see was a compassionate, merciful God, forgiving the sins of generations for a long time. A God that's not forever angry. How many want a little bit of that fragrance? We carry stuff too long. We, we, we would remind people till they die. You slapped me when I was in second grade. I'll never forgive you for that. You left me. And then so all these things. So, so God wants us to be able to get to the place where there's a free expression of loving God. I want to tell you something. We hijack our lives uh, in our selfish pursuit. The nature of sin is selfishness. And we have perfected it at such degrees. And I was telling this gentleman last night, his name is George, uh, my next door neighbor's friend. I said, George, do you understand what you're doing? You are saying that the very person who created you doesn't exist. I said, that that is severely pompous and proud and, and self-sufficient. And you don't have a clue. You can't make an assessment at that level. Because to be able to say, that and this is what Ravi Zacharias says, who's an apologist. He says, in order for someone to say God doesn't exist, you would have to be in every galaxy in our universe. In other words, you would have to know all things. And to make a, an opinion that God is nowhere, you'd have to be like Superman and be all-knowing. And fly throughout the universe and know for a fact, you checked everywhere. Just like some of you could say in your bank account, there's no money. Why? Because you've been there. You know there's no money. But to say there's no God, you would have to have had a tremendous scrutiny on creation. And I I said, listen to me. He goes, no, 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 don't get me wrong. I believe in science. And I believe in things that, that you can see and prove. And I'm saying, listen to me, my friend. You're saying you believe in created things, but you don't believe in the creator. You're insane. You're seeing protons, electrons, and neutrons. You're seeing the law of gravity, the law of everything. You're seeing everything created, the moon, the stars. And you're telling me that you can acknowledge created things, but you have decided that the guy who made them doesn't exist. That's like finding a Swiss watch and saying, you know something? It just happened. There's no watchmaker. And so, after about two hours of that, I think my neighbor got saved, not the guy. <laughs> and they were super appreciative. But here it is ready? How, this is how we left last night. Not proving that, that I've. And I said, Look, I'm in pursuit of God. And, and I'm, I'm, I don't know the fullness of God, but, but I, I take this serious. And I don't want to win the argument. I don't want to show him that, that there's fancy phraseology and evidence and argument. I want him to know God like I know God. I don't want him to have an experienced God because I've had experience and he has to believe my experience. Or even him know God because his best friend wants him to believe in God. I want him to have a, a Damascus Road experience that he might, you know, he might experience the love of God that I've experienced. The embrace of God. And then that, that would compel him. To be faithful to God all the days of his life. And um, that's what God wants. God wants us to connect. And unfortunately, a lot of people think that, that connecting with God is coming to church. Or connecting with God is hanging out with the pastor. And it's not. It's not. He says like this in verse 38. No, verse 39. He says, and the second commandment. We're reading Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine. 39. The second commandment is similar to this it's like it you shall love your neighbor as yourself because on these verse 40 on these two instructions of the commandments is supporting everything the law is written about and everything the every message the prophets ever wanted to bring on these two two aspects um What is it that keeps us from connecting with God? The Bible says in Romans 3.23, he says, All have sinned. And I just want you to give the expression of sin as something that will bring a disconnect. Uh, attitudes of sin, words that are um, provoking sin. Sin. All these things, it says, for all have sinned, and so they're distant from being able to come to the full glory of God. Um, I want to say that the, the nature of sin is selfishness. Uh, that's what breaks off every relationship. Um, the opposite of selfishness is love. And that's why God desires for us to perfect that. 1 John 4, 8 says, he who does not carry himself in the nature of love is disconnected from God. For God is love. What allows God to have a connection, and you know, and I know, and we've seen um, last, about two weeks ago, here at the church, um, An invitation was extended to a woman who's deep, 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 deep in darkness and lewdness. And she's known in the country of Spain as being a woman um, that is uh, pursuing the depth of depravity, of of lewdness, of worldliness. And so she comes to Miami, and again, Paco invites her to church because she's looking for a place to stay. She's from Spain. And so this man, this businessman who's in our church, he says, "Lady, I can help you and your boyfriend, and you can stay at one of my hotels for free. But if you really want my help and what I have, come to church with me on Sunday." And she comes and she gets she comes on Easter Sunday and she gets saved. And then she comes this last Sunday and she she continues to get more saved. And we give her a Bible, and she, and she said like this, because she, she, she's in one of these places where there's still, we have communication of, and she says, you know something, we're changing. Isn't that powerful? It's powerful. And you know something, that's the same change that happened to me. When I experienced the love of God. And I stopped being a grumpy old man. I mean, I used to walk the streets like, you look at it just really angry and upset at everybody but the love of God transforms your ability to reach out so when people are like what are you looking at I was like God bless you man and now there's peace there's an ability to relate and um, that's what God wants first John 3 10 says in this is the children of God and the children of devil you can tell the difference he didn't tell the difference between the people that are connected with God and the people that are not connected with God. And it's manifest, whoever does not practice the expression of what is right is not of God. Nor is he who does not have the capacity to love his brother, to connect, to be able to extend out the, the, the expression of connection um, you guys know that, that there are uh, historical uh, events that have happened in the last 10 years with my older brother. And on every occasion that I see him, there's an extension of, let's connect. Let's, let's get together. God wants to do something really big. I want you to be a part of it. I want you to be a part of it. And so that is, that. you know, it doesn't matter when it's reciprocated or where it's reciprocated, um, it's just the heart. That's what God wants. And I said, Look, I don't know what's going on your side of whatever's taking place, but I want it to be clear from my side. My, my sentiment is there is no offense, my sentiment is there is nothing that justifies us being distant. Because as I read uh, Proverbs 6, it says that one of the things that God hates the most is that there would be a disconnect amongst brethren. And God hates that, just like he hates divorce. And so you, you cannot say you, you love God, you know God, and you're walking. Let's read that in uh, Proverbs 6, uh, verse uh. Verse 16, he says, these six things the Lord hates. And yes, seven are an abomination to him. And then if you see down there in verse 19, he says, the one who is sowing discord amongst the brethren. there's people that are breaking relationships and breaking connections. I want to tell you that's not the spirit of God. The spirit of God is reconciliation. The, The spirit of God is connection. Not in a sentiment to do evil, but in a sentiment to serve the Lord. And so if you see the six things God hates above, which is a proud look, a deceitful tongue, hands that are quick to do dishonest things, a heart that is always devising wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to do things that are wrong, a false witness who speaks lies, I want to challenge you that every one of those things God hates can sever a relationship permanently. A a tail bearer separates the best of friends. A gossip. And and so as we're talking about how to become world-changing, pursue world-changing connections... Um, it's it's a very it's a rarity to have that inclination. We need to have it because it's the character of Christ. If you follow Christ around, um, you see him approach a tax collector. How many have ever seen themselves as a tax collector? When somebody does something wrong, you're going to pay, brother. There's going to be a tax on that attitude. I'm going to tax you on what you did last week. I'm going to tax you next week. I'm going to tax you, tax you, tax you, tax you, tax you, tax you. How many are tax collectors now? Come on, be honest. Come on, you're going around excising, removing from people. You're going to pay for what you did. And see, Christ met a tax collector and then say, hey, Zacchaeus, you're going to pay. He says, Zacchaeus, you don't owe anything. He canceled his debt. That is what's so powerful of that meeting with Christ and this tax collector. Because Jesus Christ refused to excise a tax. He went around canceling debts. You don't mean nothing, brother. I release you. Go in peace. You're free. With the adulterous woman, you listen to me. You're, you're not, I'm not going to hold this against you. How many know that there were s- severe acts of, of treachery, unfaithfulness, committed against God, against the commandments, against his ways, and he kept on releasing them. Hey, your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. Don't, 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 there's no issue here. That, that's what forgiveness is all about. And to have a contrary attitude is, is really at the forefront of a disconnect. And, um, and it produces shame and it produces guilt and it produces uh, a whole bunch of gossip and backbiting um, and words that are inappropriate. And so Jesus comes and he says, listen, you saw what I did with the tax collector. And it motivated the tax collector to stop himself excising a tax. Because once you've been forgiven, how are you going to turn around and ask somebody else, hey, pay up, brother? That that renders you a wicked person. So John 13, 34, Jesus says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. As I've I've shown you that we're to be people who connect all the time, all places. We're supposed to connect people to the glory of God. Um, as these men come here because they, they, they hear that we're saving marriages, they could be here for 10, 15 minutes and they're transformed. We're, we're sending them back to make a serious connection. We're sending them back. Um, the guy who was talking about music today, he says, well, if my wife doesn't like music, then tough her. I said, brother, you're going to lose your wife. But by the way, why don't you go home today and give her a foot massage? How many know that those words, just those words, and how long did it take? Even if he doesn't go home and do that, I promise you. I told him like this, when you get home today, your, your face is going to sell you out. And your wife is going to say, you're up to something. You're different. Why? Because he was in the presence of one of these men, and, and you guys are part of this, of people that bring the peace of God to the, to the world. Just, just your words, the life you live, the, the thoughts that you have. When's the last time somebody told you to foot massage your wife? Huh, Alex, that, you only get that in God's presence. And then I told him, listen, and if you do that, get ready for your wife to go crazy. She's not going to understand it. By the way, he told me she's a nurse, so she's probably on her feet all day long. And guess what? He's never given her a foot massage. How many think that that will connect them a little closer? Right? that's the glory of God why didn't we think of that before because we don't have love we don't, have, we don't walk in the presence of God we don't, we're, not, we're selfish we're thinking man she should give me a foot massage why hasn't my wife ever given me a foot massage because you only reap what you sow and you haven't sown that so this is what I believe God wants us to do and he's telling us in John 13 34 as I have loved you so you must love one another and so this takes it at high measure. People always tell me, pastor, your standards are too high. They belong to the Lord. They're a little bit high. They're a little bit high because they're not my standards. They're God's standards. And he really wants us to live like this. He wants us to, to walk like this. And so what separates us from being able to live this life? are sin. And he says they fall short of the glory of God, because of sin, the wages of sin are death. The word death in the uh, Greek and the Hebrew tradition is separation, a distancing. And whenever you're distancing yourself from uh, the purpose of God and the connection of God, uh, look for sin, and and primarily look for pride. That that'll make you distant. Romans five six, we're to be like the Lord. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, uh, it says, For when we were still without strength, we had no ability to be able to come to him like he wanted us to come. In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Uh, Verse 7. Scarcely would a righteous man die for another. Yet perhaps for a good man, somebody might do something and even dare to die and give his life for somebody. Verse 8. But God, he has the demonstration of his own love in our direction. And that while we were still sinners, and, and you guys know what that means, right? While we were still selfish, while we were unworthy, while we were proud. Listen to me. The last thing I wanted to do last night with this guy who spent two hours speaking ill of the existence of God is to pray for him. I said, Lord, help me not allow his foolishness to make me foolish. Help me not reciprocate selfishness and and take my relationship with God and disappear. That he might have what I have. Um... God demonstrated his love toward us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Verse 9, he paid the price. And so, much more than having now been justified by his blood, now that he's made provision for us to come, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Verse 10 For if when we were enemies, there was a path of reconciliation to God, because there was a price paid, Not by us, but by Him, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Verse 11. While we were enemies. And not only that, not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received connection. We're reconnected with God. Matthew 5 23. He says, if the person that is instigating the separation, if you bring a gift to the altar and there you remember that you have something against you, no, that your brother has something against you. If there's something of a disconnected nature somebody has against you, verse 24, he says, leave your gift there at the altar and go your way And first, seek a reconnection and then come and then offer your gift. Now, one of the powerful things that I I see that it's not always going to be something from our side that needs to be connected. I mean, you got the plug there. It's ready to get connected. And Romans 12 verse 18 says, if it is at all possible If it is possible, and how is it going to be possible? As much as it depends upon you, your side. Live peaceably with all men. Remove all the the corrosion of the offense, of the uh, words, of all that that has removed us in the direction of God. Luke chapter 6 verse 27 Says it the other way. It says, But I say to you, um, here, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Now they're offending. Verse 28. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. As long as it's with you, have a plug. And if they are the ones doing the offense, set that aside. Colossians 3.12. As we are to pardon every offense that is directed in our direction. Therefore, as the elect of God who are being separated and are much loved, put on the tender mercies of God. Kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. These are all the things that help you connect. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you that were an enemy, that weren't seeking God, that weren't desiring, you also must do. You also must pursue. Um, there's a great testimony of a, a night that I was sleeping in bed. And 3 o'clock in the morning, I wake up, and the, and the Lord is speaking to me. He says, hey, I want you to go and tell so-and-so that I love him and that I'm waiting for him to come back to me. And when he does that, I'm going to open the heavens, and I'm going to fill him up with all his heart's desire. And so I woke up in the morning, about 7, 8 o'clock. I went over there, usually where I have breakfast he's there and I said hey God told me last night 3 o'clock in the morning that he loves you that when you come to him he's going to open the heavens and give you all you're dreaming for now he doesn't want to hear those words he says Molina if you do that again we're going to have problems I said listen to me don't get mad at me I was sleeping I should be mad at you Another, another illustration is don't let people that are having issues, that's not your issue. Samuel, they, they, they're not, they're not, they don't have anything against you. They're just fighting God. So let them go through their little process of fighting God. You don't have to take it personal. You don't have to sit there and, and, and take personal offense. You make every effort to connect these people with you, which is the only expression of God. I I think that the gentleman last night who was telling me everything, was telling me about God, this is is what I I took on. He was was saying, look, I am the most destitute person worthy of respect and love because look how I speak about a good God. So get angry with me already and hold it against me. I was like, no, my friend. The only thing God has towards you is great affection. Even in your foolishness, even in your arguments and you're trashing God, he's not going to make that an issue. He's removed everything. The Bible says everything that was against us standing, he removed it. So who are we as God's people to put those things up? We're not to do that with anybody. There should be nobody in our life that says, this guy is holding something against me and so that's why I can't come near him. There should not be one person. Not one person in this world uh, should have that that sentiment. Um, I'm just going to leave it at this. At, at this, and and and, I, I think that the essence of what God wanted me to share tonight is that we need to become expert in our connecting, um, because. Everything that connects us with God and with others helps our marriage, helps our families, brothers and sisters, helps our church, helps our ministry. Everything that that is a forgiving, loving, kind, patient, long-suffering disposition to not hold the fence, all these things, what they do is they... Allow us to strengthen the cause of God. And what is at the forefront. Of everything that doesn't allow us to forgive God ourselves and others. That is always constantly having strife in every direction. Um, I, I, we need to perfect the ability of embrace and unity. And, and really overlook. Because I, I think. Um, I think that everything we fail to overlook are the very minute justifications for our inability to, to relate at this level. So let's stand tonight, and, and all I can say is the Spirit of the Lord has been here tonight. Uh, the Word of God has been clear. Uh, our inabilities... To enter in and restore relationships at deeper levels renders darkness prevailing, uh, selfishness, um, unforgiveness, sin. Um, One of the, the brothers here at the church that's so beloved, so beloved, and... His inability to integrate with the body of Christ. This is what it is to integrate with the body of Christ. That we rejoice with those who rejoice. When, when the people of God are rejoicing and you're not rejoicing, there's a disconnect. And when we cry, we should all cry. If you don't suffer what's happening, like yesterday, I was going home and in my neighborhood, um, one of the houses that's been there, as it used to be where the men used to live Um, There was a family that that moved in there about a year ago, and apparently they they hit on hard times. I'm inclined to think like that. Um, And and when I got home last night, uh, the sheriff was there and put all their furniture in the front yard. And and that hurt so much, thinking about children, seeing themselves get kicked out of a house. Now, obviously, it's, it's personal responsibility of the adults. They shouldn't have got at that level. But it doesn't cease to be a very painful witness of, it's shameful. Shameful for the kids, shameful for the wife, shameful for the husband. That devil's doing a horrible work in that family. Hopefully they come to Christ and and God could heal all that shame. But we're we're to be the experts at restoring people's sentiment that doesn't allow them to connect. Well, there's, there, you know, there, there should be an expression. Uh, I was telling Kenny to get me this verse, which he so kindly did in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, because I want to challenge you to this, that every point, it says, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but he in all points was tempted, yet he never grabbed onto pride, selfishness, unforgiveness. He never walked in what would dispose us to... uh, Stay away. Oh. Every expression of the entitlement to get upset, to get offended, to get hurt, to feel betrayed. And it says in all points they came at him, and I want to challenge you that God is doing that work in you. So you need to be, you know offended, abused, betrayed, hurt, mishandled. And and that's that's where you're going to perfect, like R.T. Kendall says. He said, faith, I'm going to say love. That's where your love is going to be perfected because that's when it's shown. When the person doesn't deserve for you to even talk to them again, and you continue to talk to them. When they don't deserve you ever to visit, and you visit them again. That you ever call them, and the last time you talked to them, they treated you so bad and you said you know something I'm just gonna and you say no tempted in every area and this is our master this is why we follow him he's our example it's that spirit of the Lord that's upon us that heals a broken heart and sets free the captive Father I thank you tonight for your word it's so precious and so sweet and it does such an incredible work of transforming us into your likeness in your wisdom and love, and that it would be a lamp unto our feet, it would be our continual meditation and embrace. For then we shall prosper in all things. And what the devil desires to do in our lives and in our children, we could perfect this and as an example to our children. Pray for our enemies, love those who persecute and despise us, who hurt us. I pray, O oh God, that we would grow above that measure. That we would be more like you in every opportunity. And we give you thanks because we know that if you sow this seed into our life, it's because there's going to be a harvest that will glorify your name in issues, circumstances, and situations that maybe in the past we couldn't handle. But now we're willing, Lord God, to take the challenge to love all men everywhere in us. As much as it depends on us, that your peace and prosperity would be present giving all men an opportunity to turn and repent and and come in your direction. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody says amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.